welcome to the Cultivating Calmness podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Vance, and today we're going to be talking about understanding OCD. Why are we talking about OCD today? Well, um, this week is uh, International or National uh, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder Awareness Week. So it started a few days ago and um, will end at the end of this week on Saturday for the official Awareness Week. And I am wanting to hop on here and talk a little bit about that. So I uh, this month is chock full of awareness um like mental health focus awareness weeks and months and days and I keep finding new ones that are popping up ones that I was unaware of uh, so those are just ones that I'm going to have to keep in my back pocket to remember for next year because trying to hit every topic in a podcast or in an episode even a even a social media post is proving to be um, a little difficult because there are so many things that we want to make people aware of and OCD is a topic topic that I do enjoy and I do work with in my office, in my setting. I have been recently trained in one of the treatment modalities for OCD, which we'll get to in a little bit later. Um, So that is something that I am comfortable talking about uh, at least a little bit. So that that is one of the focuses and things that I will happen to share on my social media and here on this podcast. So let's get started. For those of you who don't know um, what OCD is, it stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. And um, what exactly is that? So it has usually two factors, two different aspects of the disorder, and those are in the title. So an obsession and a compulsion. And an obsession is something that's usually um, always negative. So it's an intensely negative repetitive, unwanted, intrusive thought. So that means these are thoughts that come into your mind um, that are not wanted. You don't want them there. They aren't pleasant. They don't make you feel good. And those are usually then combined with feelings of fear, doubt, um, distress, danger, negative feelings are associated with, uh, with those thoughts. Along with those obsessions or thoughts come compulsions. Compulsions are excessive, repetitive, uh, typically thought of as behaviors, but also can be thoughts um, that a person tries to use or do to neutralize or stop uh, an obsession um, or the distress that they're feeling to make it go away. So we have the obsession to something that you fear is going to happen. And then you have the compulsion that you try to do to make the fear go away. Does that make sense? Um, and oftentimes these things can be, um, like misunderstood. So I'll talk a little bit more about that here soon, but in most cases, people suffering from OCD recognize that their thoughts and compulsions, um, are irrational, but not always, um, you know, especially in children. Uh, When we see OCD in children, it's not always easy for them to recognize that what they're thinking and doing is not normal, not um, within the range of normalcy, I guess I would say. Uh, And so it can be harder for children and for adults working with children to get them to stop something. Um, And then along with knowing that those things are irrational, they find it almost um, like they're incapable of stopping the behavior and stopping the thoughts. 
Um, and that's what makes OCD so incredibly debilitating and difficult for those suffering from it um, to not only reach out for help, um, but to when they get the help to stop because the help <laughs> that is usually offered um, is to face those fears head on um, and have the thoughts anyway and to resist the compulsions to not do the things that their brain or their body is telling them to do. And I could probably talk about OCD for hours and so I'm trying to condense this into a shorter podcast, a shorter episode so that you get a little bit of information and maybe you can look into it a little more and maybe if you are someone who thinks you may be suffering from OCD, you may get a little more information from this episode here and you can look into some of the books that I'm going to recommend um, and you can look up some of the you know, social media accounts. There are many very good social media accounts out there. Uh, that you can just learn some information and, and that can be a kind of step in the right direction for getting help for your OCD, if that's what you have, or somebody you know, if they have it, how you can help them. Um, so I started becoming interested in OCD probably a few years ago. I started um, out working, uh, several years ago, I'd been working with just children and at, the more I worked with children in trauma specifically, the more I found that I was seeing more intensely anxious symptoms. And at the time it felt like, you know, is this anxiety or is this something else? Um, and as somebody who can treat OCD and at the time I had taken a few courses and learned um, just enough about OCD to know how to diagnose it um, and how to recognize it, but did not feel comfortable enough in treating it. So that was a big barrier where I could see my clients could come in and they start talking about things and I could pick out some of the obsessive, the OCD thoughts and actions that they were describing to me. Uh, and I could ask more questions and, and really uh, come to the conclusion that yes, this is what you're dealing with. Um, and yeah, I have always felt that I've been able to do that um, and treating it can be a little more difficult. Um, so I have former and current clients dealing with OCD and I have at least one family member that I know of that has suffered from OCD and has been willing to share that information with me. And so I know from those perspectives, clients, families, friends who have OCD, that it is incredibly debilitating and very difficult to manage, especially if you've never had treatment and you don't know how to make these thoughts and um, actions go away so that you can function normally. Um, so jumping in a little further, when we think about OCD, what essentially is happening is that um, OCD is a fear or a series of fears or multiple fears of some kind, um, having a certain fear and then the way we respond to those fears. And what, what people are trying to do is trying to make the fear go away. And that's where the compulsions come in. Um, and the way the, the main form of treatment, the, I guess, more highly recommended form of treatment is called ERP. That's exposure and response prevention therapy. Um, and what it does is it uses exposures, meaning we face the fear 
to decrease someone's level of distress over time. Now, this is a, a common form of treatment for OCD, but is not the only form of treatment. And as a holistic therapist, I generally don't ascribe to uh, or subscribe to every client getting the same type of treatment. Um, so I am trained in multiple modalities and would like to be trained in more because I know that not every client is going to respond to the same type of treatment in the same way. So uh, ERP can work really well for maybe uh, most OCD sufferers, um, but it may not work the best for all and that's okay. Um, and that's why, you know, even in my sessions, we may not always do straight ERP, um, but we may talk about trauma because I work with trauma and I do believe that um, in my experience and what I've witnessed that there is trauma associated with OCD, but not all the time. Um, sometimes OCD can be brought on by medical um, issue, underlying issues. And some of you may know about um you know, some of that. And the term is not coming to me. Uh, PANS or PANDAS is a uh, medical diagnosis that brings on symptoms of OCD because of an infection in the body. And when the infection is treated, they see the OCD go away. So that is not the main reason why OCD uh, comes about, but it is one reason when sudden bouts of OCD are seen um, usually in children, but I believe it has been seen in adults. So that may be something to look into. And we're not going to get into that a whole much, um, a lot more today, but um, that is just one explanation as to why you know, OCD may be happening. Another thing to consider when we think about diagnosing OCD is that, you know, there, there are the symptoms, um, which I've um, briefly described here earlier, but I also am curious and I don't have the answer, but, um, you know, there are neurological um, concerns or just the way that our neurotransmitters are firing, not firing, how many we have in our body, what's going on in our inside our body that is causing um, the OCD to stand out, to take over per se. Um, just like when we know that um, when our serotonin levels are low, people tend to be more depressed. Um, or when our vitamin D is low, our you know symptoms of depression can can um, increase. And here we are. It is October, and we are heading into fall and winter. Where at least in Ohio, um, and in the northern, you know, a lot of the northern, the north of the northern hemisphere, the northern states, at least in the United States, we're going to get a lot less sun. Um, and when we have less sun, we get less vitamin D. And when we have less vitamin D, some people um, start to not function very well. And there's many explanations for that. And so that would be a whole other topic we can definitely get into in a future podcast, um, just talking just about vitamin D and why it's important. But um, I often wonder what of those types of things, the internal systems in our body, what is not functioning at the optimal levels to make it more difficult for those suffering from OCD, just like 
any other diagnosis that may be going on. And I don't have those answers, but those may be good questions to ask and to uh, you know look into for yourself if you are able to do that, if you're interested in that type of thing. Um, so I am going to go through a few other things today before we end this episode. And um, some of them being just those misconceptions about OCD. Um, and you've probably heard of some of them and we are heading into the holiday season and a common um, misconception, I'll label it, um, is when people say, I have OCD, obsessive Christmas disorder. Sounds really funny, um, but it's not helpful. It is, you know, harmful to those who suffer from OCD because OCD is not something that is wanted. Okay, it is not a, you know, another misconception is that it's not, it's not a cleaning disorder. It's not, you know, your grandma, like my grandma, who really just wants a clean house and likes a clean house. You know, I don't think she has OCD. Um, that's never been something that has been brought to my attention or that I've thought about, but she does like her house to be clean. That doesn't make her, um, that doesn't mean she has OCD. You know, people who like to be neat and tidy, people who line line up their clothes or have things in a certain order does not mean they have OCD. Um, OCD is not something that people enjoy. So when you see people, celebrities on television, um, when you see um, you a lot in the media, people making those comments, you know, I'm so OCD and they're laughing about it. Those who actually have OCD are not laughing about it. It's not fun for them. And when we make light of that, it can actually harm them and make it more difficult for them to get services or to get the help that they need because people look at them as if like OCD is something they can choose. It's not something they can choose um, to to have. It, it Sometimes it just happens. And um, we don't necessarily always understand why, and we work to treat it to help them be able to cope with it. Um, I'm trying to think some other misconceptions, like being afraid of germs, um, or that you're only afraid of germs if, if you have OCD. No, that is a common, it's one that we often think about, I guess, when you think about OCD is germs and not wanting to get dirty or, um, you know, the washing of the hands um, until your hands are raw. I think that's a common uh, thought of OCD, somebody who has OCD, but it is not the only thing that people who have OCD suffer from. Um, it's not somebody who just collects things. Um, you know, in my office, I have lots of plants. I like to collect plants. I enjoy it. I want more plants, but I don't feel that I have to collect plants or else I'm going to die. You know, uh, so that is a big difference in what is OCD and what is not. What is the fear involved in the thought or the behavior? Are they doing the thing? Are they cleaning? Because if they don't, they, someone they know, someone they care about is going to get hurt or they're going to be the cause of somebody's illness. If I don't wash my hands and I don't clean this product well enough, is my aunt going to die? Is my grandma going to die? Am I going to die? Am I going to cause my children to die? And again, I'm using that just as an example, but there are many fears involved in OCD. Um, so I'm going to get to some of these books here. Well, may as well just get to the books now. And then I'm going to share some examples, especially in this first book that I really um, enjoy. And I like to share when it comes to like talking about OCD. So I'm going to run through some examples here in a moment. But first, I want to share some books. So this is a really good book 
Freedom from Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, a personalized recovery program for living with uncertainty. Um, and so if you can't see this and you're just listening, it's a uh, mostly white book with um, like red and blue letters and some colors that stand out. And this is by Jonathan Grayson, PhD. And going through this book, it can be for clinicians and for those suffering from OCD, or if you have a family member, you can read through this book and it goes step-by-step step in um, a kind of addressing what OCD is, how to diagnose it, how to you know treat it, um, and how to kind of recover and stay free from OCD. So this one we're going to come back to. Um, and I don't have all the books, uh, the physical forms of all the books. So I printed a little um, cover on a few books just so if you're watching, you can kind of get a visual. Um, and then I'll give you a, a link uh, to a place where you can find some more. But this one is good for children. What to do when your brain gets stuck. And this is written by Don Hubner and illustrated by Bonnie Matthews. So it's a kid's guide to overcoming OCD. I have read this and used this with clients before, and I have found that it is really helpful in describing um, OCD and, and what, it, what it is and what the treatment is like. Another one is Talking Back to OCD, the program that helps kids and teens say no way and parents say way to go by John S. March and Christine M. Benton. So that's also another good book for OCD. Um, as far as like treatment and like workbooks, one of the ones that I have is just exposure and exposure and response prevention for obsessive compulsive disorder, a therapist guide. And there's a like workbook that you would work on like with your clients. Um, so both of these kind of go hand in hand. Um, and then I was in looking for some more information to share with you before I did this, I found uh, a website listing some books, many I had not heard of, but now they're on my list to read um, books for OCD, either about OCD or people um, like memoirs, people who have had OCD or have characters in them with OCD, but the website was broke buy books, like I spent too much money broke, B-R-O-K-E, brokebybooks.com. And then they had a list of um, 20 books for OCD. Uh, so look that up and you can find some really good books on OCD. I think the ones that I shared here today are all on that list and, um, and more. And so I know I've added some to my list already that I'm going to go back to and try to read. Um, so to get to some things that help diagnose and help you to maybe understand, I'm just going to go through a quick list. And so we often have themes in OCD. Themes are like topic areas. So I will go through some of the themes for obsessions and then, you know, I'm going to pick a category too and just list off some of the things here in this list. And I found that I've, I've done this with clients. Um, in the past, there are, um, you know, assessment tools. This is not technically an assessment tool, but I find it helpful to identify what it is that clients have going on. And then we can use that to um, help in the diagnosing um, diagnosis process. So themes in um, OCD are things like aggressive obsessions, sexual obsessions, contamination, religious, um, obsessions about harm, danger, loss, or embarrassment, 
superstitious or magical obsessions, health and body focused obsessions, perfectionistic obsessions, and then some neutral obsessions. So that's just what this author has um, categorized them into. And so there can be more, um, but these are some of the ones that he's um, identified. And so if we go into um, some of these, so I will start with one that's really difficult and one that often is not brought up in session for fear of what the clinician is thinking or what the clinician can do. And so we're going to go into the topic of sexual obsession. So if you were worried about some of the sexual thoughts that you were having in regards to some of the things on this list, you may worry that um, me as a therapist, I might report you to children's services or um, I might call the police or I might think you're disgusting. None of those things are true. Um, because if I, a clinician truly understands OCD, we understand that you do not want these thoughts and these aren't thoughts that you want to act on. So just be clear about that. And this is why I bring this up because, um, you know, I know people who have been treated for OCD and they don't ever bring this specific topic up. And that's just one of them because of some of those fears, right? You're gonna think X, Y, Z about me and something bad could happen because I'm telling you about these specific obsessions or compulsions that I have. So um, like uh, having obsessive thoughts about sex with children or animals, incest, forbidden or perverse thoughts or images and impulses, um, having thoughts about acting out sexually towards others. Now these are just thoughts. These are not actions. These are concern. These are thoughts that come up. Again, remember they're intrusive, repetitive, negative, um, and unwanted thoughts that come into people's minds. And when that happens, they result. They 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 go to a compulsion to try to make the thought go away. Does that make sense? So try to understand. You know, just trying to help you understand that contamination is one that I think most people understand, right? The fear of dirt, germs, bacteria, viruses, greasy items, sticky substances, broken glass, poisonous plants, contact with animals, etc. Um, religious obsession. So things that um, like being deliberately sinful or blasphemous, fearing or having acted sinfully or unethically. I've seen that quite a bit. Um, Doubting your own faith or beliefs. So that can be an obsessive thought that, you know, you worry about whether you actually do believe in, in God or not. Um, you have thoughts about being possessed or you have unacceptable thoughts about religious figures um, or religion and deities. So again, these are things that most people don't necessarily think about, but these are obsessions that people struggle with. Um, having obsessions about bad luck having obsessions uh, about um, certain words, names, Im or images being able to cause bad luck. And so like having lucky numbers, lucky or unlucky numbers, lucky or unlucky colors, objects, possessions, people. Um, so things that you may, may be traits of OCD, but don't give you a diagnosis of OCD. Maybe you may be one of them. I know that I can do this and there's no apparent reason. I don't necessarily think anything bad's going to happen but again traits and not um a diagnosis and not even necessarily um something that it would be defined as ocd would be like if you're in the car and you have to have the volume number at a certain number it has to be on an even number not an odd number or else or else what um and do you believe that do you believe something bad's going to happen if it's not on a if it's not on an even number and it's on an odd number um, I know a lot of people who do that 
And does that mean that they have OCD? No. Um, let's see. So that's just a handful. So compulsions are very similar. So some of the themes are like decamp decontamination, checking compulsions. That's a big one. Magical or undoing compulsions, perfection, perfectionistic compulsions, counting, touching or movement, mental compulsions. That's a big one that um, is often misunderstood. Protective compulsions, body focused, hoarding or collecting compulsions, grooming, um, impulsions and self-mutilative impulsions. Um, so let me give you an idea if you're looking at it, what this looks like. So it's a list and there's numbers on here, one through five, one indicating this doesn't really interfere with your life and five meaning it interferes with your life an extreme amount. Um, so checking compulsions, like you have to check the door that is locked over and over and over and over and over again. So you're not just checking it once. You don't like walk to the car and go, oh, did I lock the door? And walk back and check the door again. And then you go back to your car. But you do it repeatedly, three, four, five, 20 times. Can you imagine how much time that would take? You know, if you have to check your door or you have to go check your stove and your brain tells you, you already checked the stove. The stove is turned off, but you have to go check again because what if the stove wasn't off? What if I burn my house down? My life will be over. It'll all be my fault, right? Um, these are the problems that people face when they have OCD and these are the compulsions. The compulsions they have to keep doing until it makes them feel relief. Um, so cleaning compulsions, you know, like washing dishes, clothing, money, hands. Um, compulsions for, let's see, I did checking. Filling out forms, filling and refilling, checking and checking and checking and checking the form. Um, I've known people to have like writing, so the writing has to be perfect. And so if it doesn't look perfect, they crumple it up and they start again and they start again and they start again. Things have to be lined up just right. Cans in the refrigerator, all of the logos have to be facing a certain way. And they will do that for a while, not just look at it and okay, it's all good. No, I've done it, it looks good, I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna do it again. Um, let's see. Only buying items that are perfect, returning items with minor flaws, that's under the perfectionism category, um, moving your body or gesturing in a certain way, gazing or thinking of certain numbers or words to cancel others out, washing off bad ideas, performing actions or movements in reverse. Um, let's see, gesturing or posing in a special way, counting. So um, going up to or beyond a certain number, doing counting while performing certain activities um, to ensure that an activity has been done um, an odd or even number of times. So you have to do certain things a certain number of times and then you feel okay. Um, and for some people, it, there's what's called the just right phenomenon. I have to do it for an undeterminate amount of time until my body feels just right. Can you imagine how difficult that might be? Mental compulsions, so making mental maps of places, creating mental images or pictures, thinking about specific topics, rethinking specific thoughts. Um, again, so many things in here that we just don't think about that people may be struggling with. Um, saving broken, irre irreparable and useless items. Um, so this is under the hoarding and collecting. 
Um, again, it's not that I like to do that. It's that I feel I have to do that. Um, going to excessive lengths to save money, having to own complete collections of certain things, even if they're not important. Um, so good book um, to look through. I just like to share some of those examples to help you as the public um, to understand what it is that people go through when they're truly suffering from OCD as it is a really difficult diagnosis to deal with. But there is help. Um, ERP is tremendously successful and helpful. And it, what it does is it teaches clients, it teaches you the skills to be able to do the work in the future when you're no longer in therapy. So you've gone through the therapy, you've done the treatment, you learn the skills, then when those feelings start to come up, like when you're under a lot of stress, sometimes those um, OCD features come back um, and you've got the skills, you know how to do it and you face them and you're able to do it on your own. Um, so that's another great feature of um, exposure, you know, ERP exposure therapy. Um, so to wrap it up, um, I had to look online. I had a couple that came to mind, but just, you know, some celebrities that you may know of who, um, excuse me, who it has been, I guess, made publicly aware that they suffer from OCD. Um, and so I found several lists and some indicated that it wasn't clear and some indicated that these had come up in some of their um, talks when they'd been on like late night shows or, you know, talking to, um, you know, in the news or in articles or something. So some of these celebrities that you've probably heard of in some way, shape or form who have indicated that they suffer from OCD. Um, Howie Mandel is a pretty commonly known one. Um, and I didn't go into details um, on what specific types of OCD uh, each of these people suffer from. Um, but I know just from media and seeing Howie Mandel on, um, on in the media, in in the news and things that you know, one of his is germs. Um, so I, he may have a lot other things going on as well. Um, Katy Perry is one. Um, John Green, he's an author. He maybe most notably, or you know, somewhat notably for uh, the book *Fault in Our Stars*. He is, apparently suffers from OCD, and in my research today, I found that he wrote another book um, where the main character or one of the characters has OCD. I think it was *Turtles All the Way Down*. I think it's on that list from the um, website I gave earlier. Um, some ones that I was unaware of, I hadn't heard of, Justin Timberlake, Leonardo DiCaprio, Frank Sinatra, and then um, the country singer Luke Combs. Those are all ones that came up that had um, been in the media and had indicated that they have OCD and have struggled with OCD. So, um, you know, people that you see regularly on TV, in the media, do also suffer from OCD. And although it is not super common. It is more common than we think. So the next time you think about using that statement, I'm so OCD, just think about what it truly means to have OCD and how actually debilitating and terrible it is to have something like that. And maybe try to come up with something else to say. So I hope you enjoyed today's talk on OCD and join me next week for our next um, cultivating Calmness Podcast.